going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of NBA Stories. I'm your host, Nick Nasby, and we're talking tonight about a couple things. You know, we got the NBA season coming up around Christmas Day, and we have a shortened season, 72 games this year instead of the traditional 82. And we're going to be talking tonight about the win totals of these teams, and Vegas dropped their odds. When to lock it in, let's see if it gets bigger or gets smaller, but the reality is... Some of these are bullshit, some of these are good, but we're going to talk about all of them. First, before I go into anything, like I always say, if you haven't yet, if you're listening to this and you haven't left a five-star review yet for the, for the podcast, I really don't know why you're still fucking listening at this point. So, that I mean, stop what you're doing, pause it for a second, go to Apple Pod, leave a five-star review, it doesn't take too much time, you don't have to, you don't have to say a whole bunch of stuff, it's not for my ego. Okay, you can't help me. You can't hurt me. I'm already destroyed. The reality is we just do this so that people can notice us. So when you get a chance, leave that five-star review. Let us know what you think and so we can continue to make these podcasts for you. I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Mike Candelora. Mike, how you doing? I am fantastic and waiting to talk a lot about NBA basketball and just everything going on and to delve into the Vegas odds per usual. Yeah, it's good. It's good to hear from you again. And you haven't heard his voice in a minute, but he's back again. Mark DeQuilla is back to talk with us about these Vegas odds. How you doing today, Mark? I'm doing good. It's and uh, it's the perfect time to have me on because obviously we got so much Sixers drama going on right now. As a Philly guy, I got my phone right next to me, waiting for a hopeful Woj native notification. Any day now about this uh, hardened situation, but uh, I think he just went on vacation, so he might be MIA for a little bit. But that guy will probably pick up his phone on a beach somewhere. That guy's just all over the place. Yeah, Woj doesn't take breaks. Woj is always on the clock. He doesn't give a shit. His family must hate his guts. <laughs> like, literally, dad. like literally. How do you dad. Even, how do you have a wife and kids? When <laughs> it's you're, Christmas like, Day, that dad. Type of guy. <laughs> Can you fucking put your phone down for a second for us, please? We're eating dinner. No, no. So I'm actually happy you bring that up because that that's the first thing I wanted to talk about before we go into these odds. You know, it's been ever since this wall Russell Westbrook trade, we've been hearing a whole lot of, of, of chatter about James Harden. It's pretty clear he's not happy in, in Houston. Uh, I think it's been becoming more and more clear to everybody that he doesn't want to stay there. He doesn't want to continue his career in Houston uh, since the team is sort of, it looks like they're trending towards trying to figure out something new uh, with the dynamic there. I, it's been, be, at least to me, it's become pretty clear that he he's trying to get out of there. And so there's been a lot of different stories coming out. There's been a lot of different rumors, speculations and things like that. And uh, I have my ideas as to what's going to happen with James Harden, but you actually brought up a good point here because that does tie into what my ideas are about this, Mark, uh, talking about the Sixers. Now, before I go into what I think is going to happen, I wanted to touch base with either one of you guys. Mike, I know you said you had an idea of what you think is going to go down with this Harden stuff. What what do you think is going to happen to James Harden going into the 2021 season? So, funny enough that you guys bring up Philadelphia because that's where my idea is heading. Uh, I think that with the Daryl Morey connection, with the fact that Philadelphia is starving for a championship in NBA basketball, with the fact that we have a lot of pieces in-house already, 
that um, fit the prerequisites of a championship contender. I think Harden's that missing piece, and I think that Del Mori is going to do whatever it takes to get James Harden. And I think he's going to do whatever it takes without giving up Ben Simmons. Ideally, I think that you could potentially see Tobias Harris on the move with a couple of assets and like a Matisse Thibel along with them. And I think that's a dynamic you're going to be trying to look at. And I wouldn't be surprised if those are the rumors that are going to be coming, circulating out for the next couple of days. My estimation is I think Harden's done with Houston. Just the lack of the respect that he has for Coach Silas and for that organization. I mean, he's going to other parties without practicing. He's just completely neglecting protocol. It's just showing him. It's kind of similar to like what Andrew Bynum did trying to like get Cleveland, get out of Cleveland by shooting the ball every single time in practice when he touched it, no matter where he was on the court. It's kind of similar to that. I think it just shows that Harden's absolutely fed up with Houston. See, I agree with what you're saying, minus one thing. I believe, and and this is, it's really going to come down to how desperate the Sixers or the, the, the Rockets are to trade him by the end of this. James Harden, and I was talking to Mark about this before the show, James Harden is potentially the greatest scorer uh, in human history of basketball. You know, when it comes down to it at the end of his career, we're going to see averages from him that we haven't seen since like the 60s with Wilt, you know. And so, so these are numbers that are kind of unprecedented, and it's clear that he is somebody who is such a valuable trade asset that I, I really don't see the Rockets – in, again, until they get denied, 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 to have to to get rid of without a, a bona fide star in return. I was talking what I was saying before, and I've been kind of leaning this way for for a few days about this. There's criteria that goes into moving a star like James Harden. So if we go all the way back without any rumors being placed or anything like that, there's criteria that goes into moving a star like James Harden. Right. Number one. Is there a star that can be returned for him? This is not somebody that you can trade for pieces. This isn't somebody that you can trade for a, a rebuilding project. This is a, a, one of the best players in the league, probably top five, and you need to get some return on your investment in the in the in the form of an actual star right now. So, do they have? Does the team that they're trading with have that star? And kind of one B, is that star actually touchable? Right, so a team has to have a movable star right now to be able to to locate or to be able to actually have a reasonable pitch for a guy like James Harden. And then the third thing is, or the second thing is, is this a market that James Harden is going to be willing to go to? So before any rumors came out, we're hearing names being dropped by people just like, okay, well this guy's movable, this guy's movable. You hear names like Oladipo, Cat, these kind of things. Uh, even going out west and talking about the Kings and like a, a Marvin Bagley and things like that. Or even before Chris Paul got to Phoenix, you were hearing names like DeAndre Ayton being dropped. Those are not places that he would have been willing to go to. So now when we, all is said and done, the names, the team names are being dwindled and dwindled. And now we're down to two. And the two are Brooklyn and Philly. And so Brook, and there's only one of those two that has the criteria to be able to get James Harden. 
Brooklyn has pieces for them, but Karis LeVert and Dinwiddie and those kind of guys, while they are high-level starters, they're not going to be the type of return that Houston is going to be requiring to actually move James Harden. I truly, truly believe that they're willing to, to, to sit on this until they get that return. And so the only team that I can see viable for this trade is Philadelphia. And I do truly believe that the only trade that makes sense for the Rockets to actually depart with James Harden is a straight-up trade for Ben Simmons. Straight up. They're going to ask for Ben Simmons. At the end of it, Philadelphia, and this is this is just what I'm believing is going to happen. Philadelphia is going to say, you get Ben Simmons. Houston's going to say, give us Ben Simmons and like a first pick, first round pick in 2022 or 2023. Philly's going to say, you get Ben Simmons. That's it. Straight up. We're not giving you anything else. This is what you get. Take it or leave it. And I believe that that's probably going to be what, what actually ends up happening, mainly because Philly wants that guy. I truly believe that the Sixers are set on trying to do what it takes to get Harden the same way that the Rockets are set on trying to get rid of him. By the same token, I, I just I don't see Tobias Harris being a, someone who is going to actually be somebody that the Rockets are going to be willing to depart with James Harden for. I don't know. Mark, what do you think about that? And I know you're trying to say something. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit because although I would love to have Harden on this team more than just about anything, first of all, I'm very hesitant to move Ben Simmons. And all of the reports coming from the Sixers' side and that Woj has reported over and over again is although Harden can come out and say all he wants, he's willing to go to Philly. The word is they're not willing to move Ben Simmons and the Houston won't get a deal done unless they put Simmons in. Now, is this a front? Who knows? But the closest thing, in my opinion, that we've seen to this situation in NBA history was just a couple of years ago with the Pelicans and Anthony Davis heading into the 2018-19 season. And, yes. And yes. what ended up happening that year is they waited him out all year long. They didn't let Davis give all the leverage, although it did force their hand sort of by the end of the year. But they waited for the best deal. And ultimately what that deal was, was with the Lakers and a very young, talented team that had not only draft picks to give up, but a variety of young players. And Ingram. And that's where I think. Ingram was the this, piece there. Exactly. And Ingram's and, been up 25 a game now. The, the Sixers, though, can't put a package like that together. The Nets can. The Nets can put together draft picks. And Lavert. are we all that sure that Lavert isn't somebody that couldn't develop into an Ingram-type talent in that deal, along with a Jared Allen or a Dinwiddie or both? I think it's very possible. And I just know the Sixers are a team that isn't deep enough to get that deal done without Ben Simmons. Now, I don't know where Maury is at. Is he really putting up this front that Simmons is untouchable, or is he just trying to get more out of the deal? Who knows? And on the other yeah, hand, it, just, I it, also, feels, it feels like a leverage piece to me. That's what they're – I mean, so what yeah. I heard when I heard, like, oh, he's untouchable, he's untouchable, is, like, he's untouchable until you guys twist the knife enough and say – and then they can say, even though he's untouchable, we'll give you just him, right, instead of the Rockets trying to get more. That's what it sounded like to me. But I totally see where you're coming from as well. The other example that you can make for that is, is Carmelo going to the Knicks in, 20, in 2010. Because that's exactly what happened with, with Carmelo with the Nuggets going to the Knicks. He wanted to go to the Knicks. They didn't have the pieces for him. They just pretty much traded the entire team to get Carmelo Anthony. I hesitate to say that he's better than Anthony Davis, but I know that Harden right now is probably better 
in terms of value than Carmelo was at that time uh, mm -hmm. to an extent. I mean, I know Carmelo was very high level at that point, but I, I truly believe the way the Rockets are leaning is that they, especially after this Westbrook trade, I truly believe that they are going to require a piece that's going to be an all-star caliber piece before they're willing to part ways. Is Levert that guy? You know, Harden's going to try to twist the knife a little bit to try to get to Brooklyn. I feel that rumblings, those rumblings happening. I also think that he's going to probably try to do that to get to Philly, though. So I think, you know, regardless of what happens, worst case, Rockets sit on him, make him, make him play, you know, this season or make him hold out or whatever the case is, whatever he's going to do until they can get a deal done with anybody from any of these markets. And that, I mean, that's what's eventually going to happen regardless. So I'll, I'll also ask though, do you guys think there's any way a third team could get involved? Like I really could, can't rule out a team like the Clippers realizing how great of an off season the Lakers have had. They're far better than they were last year. The Clippers failed last year. Why not try and move some pieces around and get a third star in there? to really make a case at the best team in the West. Or even a team like the Heat is in the mix if they're not all in on Giannis. Or I wouldn't rule out somebody like the Thunder to move some money around. They got rid of Gallinari, Steven Adams. You could be talking about a Thunder team feeling like they have the pieces and going out to get a star like Harden to pair with a young, talented group and SGA. See, this is my estimation of it. If there's going to be a third team, I agree with your first sentiment. I think it would be the I think it'd be the Clippers. And I think the Clippers would end up actually taking on Tobias Harris. Mm. And I could see getting the Rockets back. getting an exorbitant amount of assets along with like a Matisse Thibel and a, and maybe I, I'm trying to look at the Clippers roster right now. I'm trying to see like who's a young player the Clippers could give up to move to move that uh, proverbial That's needle. The, thing. The, clip, the Clippers are a lot of pieces surrounding their stars, you know, and, and it also it also could potentially raise the question if if you're going to maybe even. Yeah, but they wouldn't be getting hard, and they would just be getting people from from the Sixers. I, I, the Clippers are tough because I think that, I think that it's gonna be they're gonna they're going to get asked to give up too much, and then they're gonna just kind of shut down and turn it off. So that might one might be tough. I, at the end of the day, I really think that when this trade goes down, it's going to be a straight up trade, the same way that we saw with Russell Westbrook, just straight up Simmons for for Harden, and just you know whatever happens with that happens i think that the the rockets are willing to i mean because think think about this also it's it's very uncommon in the nba of all leagues for a team to when once a player is outwardly disgruntled i mean you can make the exception for anthony davis in, in 2018 or whatever year he got traded to sit on a star when they have been very outwardly negative about their situation it, it doesn't happen often that a player is like I don't want to be here and the team doesn't then subsequently do everything that they can do to get him out you know it's, it's happened multiple times that way Kyrie I think is a good example there's other ones like that where it's like this guy's not a he doesn't want to be here let's get him out as soon as possible so you know Harden's put the Rockets in a, in a pretty negative position when it comes to like what they're going to be able to do because now every other team knows that they're trading him because he wants to be gone. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. 
they're definitely going to lose whatever trade that on paper it's going to be a loss. But overall, I believe that it's going to be kind of a wash to get somebody of a high level and also get rid of a disgruntled James Harden. Because I mean, let's let's get honest for a second. While James Harden is such a he's such a great scorer, he is such a high level basketball player as a teammate. If you're playing on a team with James Harden, I mean, there's there's no I, there's no history of him running people out of the of the out of Houston. I've have you guys and correct me if I'm wrong here, Mike or Mark. You know, have you guys ever really heard of any stories of James Harden being a good teammate with anybody? I mean, I wouldn't say that. I mean, during those Rocket years when they had Chris Paul, I felt as if he was a very a pretty solid leader. I think Chris Paul was more the leader of that. Ro- of that locker room per se, but I thought James Harden did a great job of being a supplemental guy, a guy that learned under Chris, but also imposed as well and was the leader on the court for that team. So I think there was times where Harden was a good teammate. He was a good teammate during his young seasons at OKC. I just think that now he's just been so fed up over the last two seasons with being at the with being at Houston. I think that. He outed Chris Paul just due to exasperation. He outed Russell Westbrook because him and Russ just like couldn't necessarily gel together towards the end and then get to where they wanted. And now he's at a crossroads because Houston's on position to win an NBA title, something that's missing from James Harden's legacy. Mark, what do you think about that? Do you think that, that Harden would be, I mean, at the end of the day, do you, do you think he's going to be considered a, a bad teammate or somebody who's just kind of middle of the pack when it comes to actually like being a teammate, being somebody as a I, part of a team? I think it's more about style of play. I mean, we can't discount the fact that he's dealt with some difficult personalities at times, and I, I don't. I think we can all agree that there's nobody you want to play with less than Russell Westbrook in this league, and as far as being a teammate goes. And then when you look at that uh, CP3 team, that was the best Houston team they ever had. He got along with him. CP3 is a great leader, and I think he took that pressure off of James Harden. But also, his style of play doesn't exactly translate to leading a team the way a LeBron does, somebody who's built on dishing the ball. Harden's going to need to take over the game by himself a lot of the time to really give it everything he has. But I, I, I think there's a team that he could fit on and serve that role. I actually believe that the better fit in terms of chemistry is Philadelphia. If he goes to the Nets, that could be a lot of addition, uh, subtraction by addition in a way. I think they'll still be good. They have enough talent there. But you're talking about a lot of dominant personalities that already have issues with teammates to begin with, very fragile personalities in Kevin Durant. I think a lot of them are going to be taking the ball away from each other, and you'd be talking about a difficult situation. I don't think it's all rainbows and roses if he goes to Brooklyn. Brooklyn, I I, I see Brooklyn as like a nightmare scenario. Yeah, if he, I mean, just from a standpoint of James Harden, who is, a, I mean, he's not necessarily like the most vocal with his stuff, but like he's definitely not notorious for being. Um, like go with the flow kind of easygoing guy uh, Kevin no. Durant who is he he puts his foot down when stuff when he's not happy with stuff and then Kyrie who's probably one of the worst teammates ever 
he's just he, he is kind of he's been notoriously toxic for a locker room. Um, hopefully that changes, you know, moving forward. But that's kind of what we've seen from him. So those three together, and especially two of them being relatively ball dominant, uh, Kyrie can go into his his he has his moments, but it's not it hasn't been as as much as of late because he is of course a point guard. Uh, that could potentially be an issue unless they unless they they fall into the Steve Nash running gun stuff, you know, which I think is going to happen regardless of of what happens with Mike D'Antoni as a, an assistant, Amari as an assistant, Steve Nash as the head coach. I mean, this is clearly going to be an 0506 Suns team, you know, re reimagined, right? So that that's that's a potential for success. It's also potential for some severe failure as well if it doesn't work out, especially in the locker room. You know, I think that when it comes to isolation stars, the league hasn't looked kindly on ISO stars over its history. The biggest one that you can that I can think of, Allen Iverson. I mean, look at look at what his success record was. Look at what he was, I mean, he got to the finals kind of with a team on his back. But besides that, it was really just playoffs sometimes. I mean, playoffs here, playoffs there in a very weak Eastern Conference in the early 2000s. Like he wasn't really able to to get past any of the the monsters out of the West and of course it was because their biggest star was a 510 guy who who ran iso ball. In this case it's a 65 guy who runs iso ball. And even though they're able to go high speed, they're able to get a lot of threes up. They're able to actually, and you made the point last week, Mike, he's actually able to lock down when he needs to. There's things that work with James Harden, but I think the style of play relies on him constantly being able to give you 36, which he will, but also people around him being able to kind of complement that consistently and being able to be able to take a backseat, which I think in this case, Philly's the best fit because that's exactly what they're set up for. You know, they have that right now and he has, he'll have Joel Embiid in my opinion that that one too is going to be very dynamic. So that's what I think is going to happen. You know, we'll see what happens as it plays out. By the time this comes out, we might have more information. So forgive me. Uh, we'll try to get it out in about a day or so, but you know, who knows? Woj bombs all the time. Maybe he'll get super drunk and and on the beach, and he'll forget to to tweet it, or maybe he'll tweet it wrong. Who knows? Who fucking knows. That being said, the major thing we wanted to talk about tonight is Vegas dropped their odds for the over unders for the win totals for this season. Now, remember anybody who's listening. This is a shortened season. They're playing 72 games instead of 82 games, okay? So these win totals are going to be a little bit reduced. So that just so just pay attention to that as we go into this, okay? I'm going to say a team, Mark, Mike, you guys say whether or not you think it's over or under. We'll go in that order. Mark, you tell me. Mike, you tell me. And then I'll say what I think too. Is that fair? Perfect. Perfect for me. Okay, so first up. We're going to go in ascending order, okay? So worst team to best team in terms of their over-under from Vegas. The worst team, that the, there's three at 22.5. Over-under on the Knicks at 22.5 wins this year. Uh, I'm taking the under. I think they're way too raw right now, too young. And although Obi Toppin is a good addition, I think he's, gonna, he's a developmental pick. Okay, Mike? I'm going to conversely go over. Just due to the fact I think their schedules go play into, like, 
not playing to their hands, but playing to their hands because it's just the Eastern Conference. I also believe that with the fact that Matt is at the Knicks, I think they have enough of like those like odd veteran players that like they're going to be bad. Like they'll win like twenty five games and then like have the six pick. And like they won't be bad enough to where they're like gonna bomb out for the number one overall, but they won't be good enough to like escape the lottery. So I think they fall in that six range, and I think they barely crack the win total. I think they get to like twenty five. I would say. Yeah, I I agree with the over actually on that one, and it's it's mainly it's it's nothing really for the Knicks. I don't really think they're a very good roster right now. I don't think Tibbs is gonna have enough to work with to actually be a good team. But I'm also gonna go with the fact that they haven't lost all that much from last year. I mean, they've lost pieces here and there, but they also have picked up certain pieces. And this is a team that almost made the bubble, if you think about it. I mean, they really weren't too far away last year from making the bubble. So 22.5 is not as much of a, of a testament to the Knicks, but it's more of a testament to how shitty the East is. That's who they're going to be playing. So uh, I go over with that, not by much, but I, I'm going to go over as well. And one, la- one, last thing that, one last thing to add is the fact that matters is that Tibbs is their coach, so you know they're going to be playing all 48 minutes every single night. And regardless, even the dog days of the season, they're going to be extremely – they're going to try to compete as hard as possible. Yeah, he's not gonna let them. He's not gonna let them slow down. Which means that the games might actually get super boring because the Knicks don't have a bunch of scores, and and Tibbs isn't known to you know be the not the most grinded out kind of style. So you know, if you have MSG on your TV, I'm sorry in advance because that's pretty much uh, what you're gonna be watching this year. Maybe maybe switch to yes. Anyway, Cleveland Cavaliers, twenty two and a half. Ah, uh, this is a tough one. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things that I've read have them going over as a interesting pick Okoro, I think though isn't somebody who's going to add too much from the get-go he was somebody I looked more as maybe a fit for the Warriors as a supplemental piece you're really banking on Sexton and Garland here and I think Kevin Love and Andre Drummond are both two people that could move and make this under hit so I'm I'm taking the under on the Cavs as well I like that reasoning Mark I agree I'm in the same camp as well I think that Cleveland is one of those teams they have Sexland, they have Drummond and Love, as you said. I think they're a better team on paper. When you look at this team, you're like, oh yeah, this team like could be decent. But I think you're right. I think they just don't gel together necessarily. And also I think they move on from Love or Drummond or a combination of both at the trade deadline or during the season. And that's going to put a real damper on their chances of winning games. And I think they're going to gear up for next year and next off season, trying to really better and pave a future outlook for themselves. I'm going under. I think that they have too much gridlock at like two through two and three positions. The Cavs are notoriously basement dwellers. I don't see that changing. I do like, you know, certain pieces on their team. Sexton again, you know, we talked about him in the breakout episode. He is, a very efficient score, surprisingly efficient with his scoring. He's able to do a whole lot with the basketball and, and he's going to have more pieces this year. I don't think a is going to add too much, at least not yet, you know, so we'll see. I'm going under on that one. I think they're, they're going to be close, but I don't, I don't I don't see them breaking out of, uh, you know, the 16th spot in the East right now. Oklahoma city thunder 22 and a half. Yeah, this one's really low for me, and I, I would definitely want to hammer the over. I think the Thunder are a team that is – people are forgetting about the talent that is around this roster from last year and learned how to play with Chris Paul. 
yeah, you're subtracting a big star there, but this is was one of the most underrated teams and overperforming teams all of last year. You really didn't give away all of that. I just think SGA is going to take on a new role, and the overall definitely hit on them. Yeah, I, I'm going to follow up here, and so I'm going to now I'm going to say I'm going to go with the over as well, just due to the fact like I think they have enough young pieces to where they learned how to win last year, and that winning experience is so invaluable and can't even be measured. I think that they build on what they accomplished last year. I obviously they think they take I obviously think they take a step back from what they were last year because of all losing pieces. But I believe they have enough of an infrastructure there to get where they're at. I mean, this team was a playoff team with a lot of this backbone as a roster. I mean, for Christ's sake, they're getting compared to the Cavs and Knicks. Give me a break. Give me the over. I'm gonna play devil's advocate with this because they lost Chris Paul, but they also lost Steven Adams. And I think mm-hmm. that that's a pretty heavy loss too. You know, I think that Steven Adams, while he doesn't put give you the numbers, he, there's so many things that he does that are really, they're irreplaceable. So it's really going to be contingent on how much SGA improves. We talked about him last year or last week as being one of the biggest improve, improvers probably in the NBA this year. But if you're looking at this roster, I have it pulled up right now. It's SGA. Number two on this on this team, George Hill, um, probably Danny Green. They got Lou Dort. Let's see if Lou Dort's able to you know improve on what he was able to do. And besides that, I mean, you're seeing guys like oof, Frank Jackson, TJ Leaf, Admiral Schofield. They got George Hill. Yeah, I said I was saying that. That's what, like, but like at this point, he's like their number two. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. want to say Amadou Diallo can turn into something besides just a dunk contest champion. You know, Mike Muscala. I mean, there's there's absolutely nobody else on this team in terms of just consistent scoring options. There's going to be a, a whole lot of point shares here. So we'll see like that. And that's the thing that happens sometimes. I think it happened last year with, with the with the with the Thunder. In fact, they became such a good team because there was so much point shares to be filled and guys who we didn't think were going to fill it, filled it. And that's what we see you know happening there. One, one thing I'll freak athlete. One thing I'll say with them too is, I think you got to watch out for Al Horford coming back into form a little bit. Uh-huh. Now that he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot more and not be clogged in that horrible situation in Philly, Al Horford will, will help carry this team a little bit. Pick and pops with SGA and Horford could be very, very dynamic. So you know the replacement for Horford from from Adams. I, mm-hmm. I, it's I, my opinion. I, I know it's crazy to say it, but I think in terms of what Adams brought, it's a drop off with Horford because he's not necessarily going to be as much of a banger down low. But I, you know, we'll see what they can, how they can use him, and what they can do with him going going forward. So I'm gonna say, I'm also gonna say the over, but I don't think it's gonna be as as obvious as you guys are saying. I think it's actually gonna be closer to that than than people might might think. Detroit Pistons. 23 and a half. All right, so this one is also interesting, and I think it's a trade deadline situation because they're going to be right around that number. It's a young roster. You know I love Killian Hayes from our mock draft. Jeremy Grant is also a very good role player that they added. But I think you're going to be floating around that number, and then Blake Griffin is going to be gone, and the under will hit. So I'm going under here with the Pistons. I'm going to go over, and I just think that they play a brand of basketball that's annoying to go up against. 
And like, there's always teams like every NBA season where like they'll they play well against good teams and then play down to bad teams. And like the Pistons were that last year without Blake Griffin. And I know they had a lot of roster turnover, but I just I'm a big believer in Dwayne Casey. I think this team is competitive. I think they play. I like when teams get young talent because it makes them more unpredictable. I think this team like hovers around 26, 27 wins. So I like the over here. Yeah, I'm going under. There's too many holes. Um, the only thing that could take him over is what you're saying. Dwayne Casey brings the best out of players that we didn't necessarily know about before. Luke Kennard's one of those. Christian Wood, again, is one of those as well. Too, too many holes in this team right now. Um, Killian Hayes is going to be a great, great stepping, stepping stone year for him to work with Derrick Rose, see what Derrick Rose does, you know, learn from his, his athleticism, see if he's able to do the same kind of things that Derrick Rose did at the same speed that Derrick Rose was able to do it at. Still don't see him being a 23 win team or 24 win team. I'm taking that under Charlotte Hornets, 25 and a half with rookie LaMelo Ball, who just got iced out. I don't know if you guys saw that. So here, if for all my betting guys out there listening, I'm going to have several picks. This is the first one where I would say none of the picks I've made so far, I would say go bet right now. I don't have enough confidence in any of the first four. This is my first one where I would say go ahead and hammer the over right now because I love the Hornets this year to at least compete for maybe the eight seed. Devontae Graham was somebody who showed incredible strides, and I'm also big on Terry Rozier's role in helping develop LaMelo Ball. You're talking about three guards there that are as dynamic of a trio as there really is across the Eastern Conference in terms of depth. Then you added veteran like Gordon Hayward to work with P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges and Cody Zeller as a solid center. This team is very close to complete. And I think it's going to take a couple of years for them to really get into contention. But don't be surprised if they compete for an eight seed this year. You're not talking about just young guys. They have Rozier, Hayward, and Cody Zeller, who are veterans that can show them the ropes. And I 100% would hammer this over. I'm going to disagree with that, and here's why. I'm going under 25 and a half, and this is why. Because I've already, one, I've already said two overs for two Eastern Conference teams. I can't put the over for every Eastern Conference team. <laughs> Mathematically, wouldn't make sense. <laughs> Number two, Devontae Graham. If you noticed last year, like he started off fantastic, but after the All-Star break, he kind of dwindled a little bit. I'm like, at like the midway season point kind of dwindled a little bit, and that scares me a little bit. I don't know if he like water found its level, if he was going through a slump. I don't know. I just don't think this team could defend. I mean, like, yeah, they're nice on paper, but like, how are they going to stop teams from scoring 125, 130 points a game? I mean, Miles Bridges and PJ Washington are fine defenders, sure. But other than that, I mean, LaMelo, his defense is non existent. Rogier undersized Devonte graham not great defender hayward eh, and it's cody zeller fuck. none of those guys give a fuck about defense not one of and them. like and cody zeller i mean if he's your anchor on defense i mean good luck i just think Which like is this unfortunate team... by the way because he's great size he's got hmm? great size he could totally be a good defender he just doesn't you got bismack though coming off the bench Oh, boy. If you're if you're really relying on Bismack Biombo to hold a defensive unit together, give your head a shake, pal. I'm sorry, but I just don't see this team defending. I think this is going to be such a popular play for an over because they have a lot of names and have a lot of, like, 
like players that like are talented and are going to be talented for years to come. I just don't think it comes together this year because I don't think they have a great team. I don't think they work together necessarily. I think they just have talent. And th- that could go either way. I'm not discounting that they can go over, but I would I would lean under here just due to the fact I don't think they can defend the ball that well. I think that this is a this is one that if anybody's actually going to take this weight because everyone, just like you were saying, Mark, is, is going to hit the over on that. I think it's going to mm-hmm. lean that over to be a little bit higher, and then take the under when it goes up a couple. I bet it's going to. I bet by the by the season starts, it's going to be around twenty seven and a half, and then smash that under real quick because there's just no there's no chance. I think they need a new coach. Um, I don't think that the coach that they had utilized these guys right last year, and I don't think he emphasized the things that they struggle with enough. Um, and I, and you know, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. I'm again, going under on this one. Lamella ball doesn't give a fuck about defense. And I also, and I'm, I'm going to reiterate what I talked about in the draft episode. I think it's a problem that like the first thing he does with his first check is like get a grill and put it on Instagram. <laughs> I know that's, it's not necessarily on the surface an issue, but I think somebody like Lamello needs to be put in check and recognize what he's, his job is basketball and that his job is to be a basketball player, not an Instagram celebrity. Because if you have somebody like that who's super famous, regardless of what they do, how do we know that he gives a fuck? So, like, Lamelo might never work on his game just because he doesn't have to, because he doesn't care. We don't know. So, if he does, that's fantastic. He can turn into what we think he's going to turn into. But if he doesn't, now he's he left this team high and dry with their best player potentially being... I mean, probably would still be Devontae, but you can also make a case for a 30-year-old Gordon Hayward who's making $40 million a year or $30 million a year. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see what, what goes on there. That's a tough one, but I'm I'm also going under on that one. But I would say for anybody who's going to take it, wait a, little, wait a little bit because that's probably going to go up a little bit. Minnesota Timberwolves, 28 and a half. <laughs> yeah, this one is also interesting. Um I think you're going to have mixed action because Anthony Edwards makes this team look like it might be starting to head towards complete and also bringing in Ricky Rubio. But I'm not sure how all these players are really going to fit together. Uh, Russell and Rubio in the backcourt is interesting, but Anthony Edwards, I think will take a little bit to develop. Carl Anthony Towns is somebody I never trust. I don't, I think he's one of the worst leaders in the entire sport right now. I just don't trust them enough, and I think I'm going to take the under on this one. There's got to be some teams in the West who aren't going to compete. I took the over on the Thunder, so I'm going under on the Wolves. I'm in the same exact camp, Mark. Not the fact that Carl Anthony Towns isn't, is one of the worst leaders in the NBA. I can understand why you feel that way, and we'll see when years time how he develops as a leader. But, I, again, this team doesn't defend the basketball. I mean, if the, the only – they have one path of winning on a on a nightly basis, and that's scoring 135 points and hoping they don't give up 140 along the way. Because they can do that. I mean, last year they played far inferior teams like the Hornets, like the Pistons, and they would lose games like 140 to 121. And those are against like like middle of the pack to awful offenses it's just again in a in a competitive western conference that's so filled top to bottom 
I don't see them cracking 20, getting to 29 wins in a shortened season. I think that they're going to be picking within the top five again. I just think they have talent, but they don't have complimentary pieces around them to hold that unit down on the defensive half of the game of the side. This is bar none the worst, the worst front office in probably North American sports. They have had two, not just top five picks. They've had two number one picks in the past six years. They have both of them still on the roster, but still you have to pay attention to those kind of things. I think there's two factors that lead into this over under for myself. Jarrett Culver, People forget about Jared Culver because he's kind of tucked away in Minnesota, but this is a guy who we saw at Texas Tech being, I mean, one of the best players in college basketball at least during, at least during the uh, the March Madness tournament. So, so that development is very interesting. I'm going to be keeping a, a close eye on that. Also, not just Anthony Edwards, but Jada McDaniel's out of out of Washington, uh, the other rookie that they got in that particular draft. How does Ricky Rubio also work with work with Anthony Edwards? This, I mean, Cat is really what he is. I mean, we know what he's capable of. I don't see really. I think he's hit his ceiling. I don't see him getting significantly better unless he really works on his defense or at least his uh, anticipation on defense because he could be a good, a better rim protector. But it's almost like he chooses not to. Besides that, uh, there's not a whole lot there. Everyone's super high on Malik Beasley. I think that that remains to be seen. I haven't seen it except for the fact that he's, you know, fucking Scottie Pippen's wife for some reason. <laughs> I would say for anybody who's actually putting over under on the Timberwolves, wait a little bit of time because everybody's going to be hitting that under button, I believe. And it's probably going to drop this one by the time it gets to the season start. So right now it's at 28 and a half. I, I'm going to predict by the, the beginning of the season, we're going to be looking at about a 26 and a half hit that in, at that point, hit the over. But I think that are going to be between 25 and 29. I so I'm going to interject. I honestly think like a lot of people are going to be hitting the over on this just because of just the name recognition this team has. They have so yeah. much like players that like, you know, like Ricky Rubio, you know who he is. D'Angelo Russell, you know who he is. Carl Anthony Towns, you know who he is. They had the number one overall pick. Every casual fan's going to be like, man, they got some talent here, and they got names that I know from NBA 2K, and they got names that I know just from in general, just like watching on social media of how nasty they are. This team's going to go way over 28 wins. And then guess what? It's not going to happen that way. So I, I guess a round That's of fair. unders, no, right? I, I, I understand. I, uh, yeah, a round of unders on that one. That's actually mm-hmm. a good point. I, I, I can agree with that. I think that I'm, I'm, I'm overestimating the, the intelligence of betters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Casual <laughs> betters. So, you know, so if you're a smart better, you know, if which it's rare, but whatever. Anyway, Sacramento Kings actually are uh, below this. They just moved, so they're actually below the Timberwolves. They're at 27 and a half right now. Yeah, so I mean, that movement is a little bit surprising to me because I know they've been a pick a lot of people like. People really think that both De'Aaron Fox and Bagley are going to develop a lot this year, and I know you as well as me were both high on uh, Therese Halbert and Nick. But um, this is another situation where I think you could have deadline movement. Buddy Heald is somebody that could definitely be on the move. I don't trust that backcourt at all yet. I think De'Aaron Fox is good, but he's going to need Halberton to develop. Buddy Heald could be gone. Mar- uh, Harrison Barnes is somebody that I think is getting old, and I just does he really add that much? And I just don't think this is a deep team at all. Their bench is weak besides Hassan Whiteside. 
And uh, Rashawn Holmes is not somebody who's going to carry anything. I think every time Marvin Bagley goes out there, he looks at the shadow of uh, Luka Doncic going out there and probably winning that MVP this year. And that's just going to weigh on him mentally. I don't see him as somebody who's truly going to develop ever. And I think with the way my uh, Western Conference teams look later on, I have to take the under on the Kings here. I'm not I'm not buying all that. I'm going to eat the public juice on this. I'm going to take the over. And I'm going to take the over because I think they can be a very competitive team. They got some talent. I just, I'm a believer in the talent they have. I'm a big believer in De'Aaron Fox this year. It's good that they're getting Marvin Bagley back. I think this team can make some, not noise like getting in the playoffs, but they can be on the peripheral vision, like in the hunt per se for a playoff spot. I see them gain, I see them winning like 32 to 30, 30 to 32 games. See, okay, so since we've talked about Bagley, Mark, I've been watching like significant amounts of tape on him, at least in the times that he's been there. And I'm starting to become more of a believer in what he's capable of in terms of his numbers. And I do, I'm starting to believe that a lot of his hindrances have been from injuries. So if Bagley stays healthy, this team becomes significantly more dangerous. I will not falter by saying that I still believe Tyrese Halliburton is one of the top three players from this draft. I think that everybody who did not draft him is going to kick themselves in the next five years for not drafting him. So I think that he is one of the best facilitators here. And I think that the ability of De'Aaron Fox is starting to be noticed more, which is great because it should have been noticed about you know a year and a half ago. But it's now starting to be noticed more. And so that's another big deal. De'Aaron Fox is going to escalate this team, elevate this team's abilities to get to the basket, score a bunch of points. The The issue with them becomes, of course, you know, defense, which is they bring in Hassan Whiteside, and let's see what he can do there. You know, it's his first team. It's now a, 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 the other team, the next team that he's on. So he's so inconsistent, but there is so much potential to be had if he plays the way that we know he's capable of playing. So with that being said, if it's at 27 and a half, I'm going to go over. I'm going to say that they have a potential to win anywhere along the lines of, uh, you know, 30 to 32, like you were saying, Mike. So I think that that's, that's a good, a, a good number for, for them. Next up, we have the San Antonio Spurs who are at 29 and a half wins over under. All right. So this is I, I, right in this win area. We're going to have a, a lot of teams that come down to coaching for me. Popovich, it, it's hard to ever imagine a team with this low of a win total that has Popovich as their head coach. I've taken quite a few unders in the West, sort of in this area. My last two being the T-Wolves and Kings both going under. You have to figure that Popovich can get them somewhere around this win total. It's going to be close, but I'll probably have to go with the over here. I think all of your stars are staying put. Aldridge stays, DeMar DeRozan stays, Deontay Murray continues to develop. You still got Rudy Gay and Patty Mills off the bench who are going to be veteran presences, obviously. And can Lonnie Walker turn into anything? That's a, the real question here. I don't love this team by any means. I think they fall short of the playoffs, but I'll have them floating over that win total by a game or two. Uh, it's not something I would bet on at all. This is one of the tougher picks for me, but I am going to take over because of Greg Popovich, of course. He still got them in the bubble somehow. All right, so buyer beware because I am 
a San Antonio Spurs fan. It's my favorite team. I grew up with them. I like the over here a lot, and here's why. I'm a big fan of Devin Vassell. I think that was a home run draft pick right there. I think getting Lucas Samanich and being able to give him play time, playing time last year, but also giving him time to develop as well in the offseason and giving him time to develop throughout last year when he was on and off again playing and in the G League as well. I think that was important. And I just, I'm a big believer in Popovich and him getting the most out of his players. And I think this team wins like 33 to 34 games. They finish around 500, a couple games below 500. Uh, but I don't see them finishing within the 20 win mark. I just think this team's going to win a, like 30 to 34 games. And then after this year, you could see a Popovich retirement happening soon and that's when they'll blow it up and get in clean house and be able to try to find that home run lottery pick like they did with tim duncan so many years ago yeah i would i would also go over on this one and the only reason why is because we're gonna see developments in guys like uh, is it's vassal right or vassell i always get it wrong it's i think it's vassell but it's like tomato tomato honestly And I also like Duante Murray. I or whatever you know who I'm talking about. I there's these guys on this team who can definitely score. The a big thing for me though is let's look at what's happening to that division. The guys who they're going to be playing the most, right? I mean, we're looking at the the Rockets are kind of dismantling as we speak, right? I mean, we have the the Pelicans, right? We have the Pelicans in that division who are on the rise, but they're still kind of unproven and we don't necessarily know what they're going to be this year. I mean, I think they'll be relatively good, but, but they also have, I mean, we also have the Grizzlies and then the, the Mavericks are my prediction that they're going to probably win this division relatively handedly, but with a, with a division, with a team, at least one team that is going to reduce in talent level this year, I think we can scrape out another two to three wins for the Spurs. And I think that 29 and a half is, is always it's low for any, for any Popovich team to be predicted to probably miss the playoffs with that win total. It's tough. That's a tough one for me to ever take. So I I would go, I'll go on the over for that one unless it rises, which I don't anticipate it doing that. But as it stands right now, I'm going over probably, like you said, around 32, 30, 33, nothing major. But uh, a few more than that. Washington Wizards. This one's interesting. They're at 32 and a half right now. Uh, over under on that one. Yeah, this one is real interesting. Um, obviously, after the Westbrook trade, he's not a guy I am big on by any means. But I, there is a lot to like on the entire roster. Their starting lineup is very solid. I worry about the depth. But once again, having Denny Avdija, who I think right there with Tyrese Halliburton and Killian Hayes could be the star picks in this draft. In my opinion, you might be looking at those three rather than the top three. I really believe that your starting lineup. Uh, Rui Achimura is somebody who I think takes a massive step forward and Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook are the perfect backcourt to pair him with. I was shocked when they got Bertans back. I think that that shows you their uh, tri- trajectory, what where they think they could be this year in a weak Eastern Conference. I think they're going to be fighting for that playoff spot, which is going to push them down the stretch to get over this win total and not move pieces at the deadline. I think the Wizards over is something I really like. Uh, it's not one of my starred picks, but I'm 
definitely going to go with their over. So this is one of my favorite picks, and I'm going to follow in suit with Mark. I'm going to go over as well. And this is one of my favorite picks of that we've done so far. In my estimation, I just think Russell Westbrook has a knack to statistically make his teammates better. I mean, it's kind of nuts, but in his last three destinations, every single player next to him has had their best statistical career season. And I think he could go a long way in making Bradley Beal a better player and taking the heat off him off defenses. I just think this team fits really well. They have a stockpile of shooters. They're going to get dribble penetration Russell Westbrook in. Bradley Boi, I do worry a little bit about defensively, but I think they just have the talent level. I think they have the upside with the young players they have on roster to kind of just have reinforcements come in. And I think this team wins like 38 games to 40 games. And I think they can be a five seed or four seed in the East. And we can see how they do in the playoffs where they'll inevitably lose in the first or second round. But I think they're going to be a very good regular season team. Yeah, I'm surprised that they're at 32 and a half. I think it's kind of low. Uh, I'll go over on that one too. I think Scott Brooks figures it out. He's worked with Russell Westbrook before. He understands his ego. And he has everybody else on that team is, has been there for a minute, except for you know Denny, of course. And then we'll see how he can work him into that those plans. The next two are actually uh, lower. The next next three actually are lower than thirty two and a half. We have both. Uh, we have the Bulls and the Grizzlies at thirty point five. So these two teams are both at thirty point five. Let me ask you guys: out of those two, Grizzlies Bulls, which are more likely to to hit the over on that one? Bulls. Bulls. Really? Yeah. Um, I was going to – I was going to – Really? Okay. Yeah, defend that shit because I don't agree with that at all. All right. So, um, I guess if I'm – if we're going to this Bulls pick, I'll tell you right off the bat that they are my next start pick. Uh, if they're one of my go bets, go bet right nows. And, you know, it could come back to backfire. But my my logic here is a lot of it riding on Billy Donovan. I, I trust him. He's a guy I think got – really a bad rap in towards the end of the road there and in OKC. And then it's something with this team where I think you're talking about a lot of guys who heard their names in trade rumors with Levine and Wendell Carter Jr. I think if Billy Donovan brings them in beginning of the year and says, you know what, you, this is my group. I think we're a playoff team. We have a lot of talent here and no one, as far as I'm concerned, we're a team and no one's moving. You got Laurie Markkinen, Otto Porter Jr. was a big move. For them, I, I think he's somebody that, with Thomas Sadoransky, both of them were solid in Washington at times. Sadoransky is somebody that brings a lot of depth to this team. And, of course, uh, Kobe White is someone that's only going to really improve over the next couple of years. There's so much talent to be had here as long as they stay put. And I think this is a team that has a coach who has playoff experience, all the experience in the world, going to national championships with Florida. This is – so much talent, so much solid coaching, and I think they're destined for the playoffs, honestly. I think that you're right on that cusp of a playoff team here. I like them a lot better than any of the real Eastern Conference teams we've talked about so far. I think they can definitely move over this win total. And honestly, I think the roster as a whole is possibly more talented than the Memphis Grizzlies, which we're going to talk about next. I know it's a hot take because of John Morant, but I really believe that. Wow. Mike, what do you think? 
Wow, that was. I know that's what I'm thinking. That's interesting. Uh, so I think both teams hit the overs here, and I'll Same. go until I agree with Mark. I'm just a big believer in Billy Donovan. I think he's gonna really motivate this team, and not only that, but remember last year. I mean, this team's gonna want to show up Jim Boylan so badly, mm-hmm. and that's another just hidden little motivational piece I see for Chicago, and for a big market team like them, they're just overdue for a nice season with the guys they have. I think they, I think they could put up more so than thirty wins. It's not one of my favorite bets, but I like the pet a lot. But to say they're better than Memphis is a little egregious. I just think Memphis has had that experience, and I love that Memphis last year underwent that heartbreak of just barely missing out on the playoffs because for young guys like that, you have to be at your darkest before you see before you get elevated to your pedestal. And I think that's a good learning experience for all those players. I think they have a much higher upside than the, than the Chicago Bulls. And I'm just a believer in just Triple J and John Morant, that duo outweighing what anything Chicago has to offer and marketing and Levine. I think it's also important to to mention that it doesn't necessarily mean that the, the Grizzlies are, or the Bulls are better than the Grizzlies. I think it just means that situationally the Bulls are more likely to hit the over than the Grizzlies. Yeah. Which I think is a little bit different. But it, I yeah, so I, I think they both hit the over – I like the Grizzlies better as a team. I think in the Western Conference, if you put the Grizzlies in the fucking East right now, they'll be a six seed any day. Just the way that they play, the talent level they have. Another year with Triple J, Brandon Clark, and John Morant being coached by Taylor Jenkins. I think that's that, that needs to be stated like immediately. Those three as a core with the same coach – Learning the the playbook, they all have a good idea as to what it is now. I, it's it's really interesting for me. I love Chicago because I love Kobe White. Fucking love Kobe White. I just like watching him play. He's very entertaining. Billy Donovan has is has a track record that's proven at this point. You know he's able to do a whole lot with uh, with talent level, regardless of if it's very high or very low. He's been doing it for a long time at this point. So. I think they both hit the over. I like the Grizzlies better as a team, but I think that the Bulls are, I think I I actually sort of agree with you, Mark. I think that the Bulls are more likely to hit the over just because of their situation. The Mm -hmm. Houston Rockets, or sorry, next one up is, is Orlando. Um, Orlando's, Orlando's weird teams. I'm, I'll do mine first because I want to keep this one quick. It's like, who gives a fuck? It's Orlando. Um, 31 and a half with what they've, with what they have. Right now, I mean, they've they're a playoff team, and by the way, they've been a playoff team for like a few years at this point, and they have Vooch, and then they just got Cole Anthony. Let's see what Cole's able to do. You know, I think that he's been pretty stifled by that injury last year, and I think that it's also needs to be said that he was a top five pick going into this season, and then the injuries and the the performance of UNC really dropped his stock pretty quickly. So. We'll see what they're able to do with him. The Magic are just kind of one of those teams that are always going to be a 7-8-9 range. Never really get the best pick. Never really get the worst pick. Kind of just sit in limbo and purgatory. 31.5 I think is potentially a little much for them. I'm, I might take the under on this one. I think I'm I think I'm going to. Yeah. What do you think, Mark? Uh, just real quick. Just I don't know if I ever said it, but I – it's not a pick I would make. I think it's very close, but on the Grizzlies, I'm going to go with the under. 
Um, really? It's going to be very close. I, yeah, it's a hot take, but I, I, I'll take the under there. Uh, getting into the magic, though, this is another whoa, under whoa, for whoa, me. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just keep talking like you didn't just say what you just said. The under right, you want, you on the Grizzlies at 30 and a half? Yeah. You think I, they're going to go below that? I mean, 30 and a half is a bit low, but we're, you're talking about a division here that I think I think the, the Mavericks are going to roll over them. Houston, depending on what happens with Harden, that's still a tough out. And then you're dealing with the Spurs and Pelicans. So there's no gimmies here whatsoever, in my opinion. And I, as far as the starting lineup goes, John Moran is all that. But Dylan Brooks is someone I don't necessarily trust. He's shown flashes. I don't really trust him. Kyle Anderson belongs in zero starting lineups across the NBA. I watched them at the Wells Fargo Center last year before everything got shut down. And I was impressed, but not really by the rest of the team. John Morant was the only one that really, really shined in my eyes. And I don't love the bench. I think you're talking about talent here with uh, Jaron Jackson and, of course, Job. But I don't like the pieces around them yet. I really don't. So they played 73 games during the regular season last year, you know, before everything and then with, with bubble games as well. They won 34 in those 73. You know, and that's with a better Rockets team than they're going to see this year. That's with uh, a lot of those games against the Pelicans. Probably didn't have Zion, so you know that's the case there. I just, I, I don't know, man. That that's a that's a tough one for me to back up because they, you know, they they have some pieces that really really can can translate for long term success, in my opinion. I think Brandon Clark's going to be one of the breakout stars of this year. Ja, we already know what he's able to do. You know, I think that uh, you can have Triple J, you know, right there, or Zonia, whatever. <laughs> he's whatever, but, you know, uh, they got Justice Winslow now for a full season. I'll say it's not it's not a bet I would make whatsoever, but I would more say, from my opinion, I would avoid the Grizzlies. Okay. I wouldn't touch them yet. Maybe wait and see going into the season. That might be like a team you hammer nightly, uh, depending on the matchup. I'm very hesitant to take the win total on them. I almost like the Pelicans' win total more than that. Yeah, we'll get into the Pelicans, of course, too. So we're, we're at the we're at the Magic, correct? Magic at thirty one and a half. I'm gonna make this one quick. I'm taking under on them. I don't really like them too much. I'm gonna go under as well. Uh, I just don't like their makeup of their team. I think this is a year where they've water find its level. I mean, Vucevic played at all-star level last year. I don't see him continuing that. And this team, I just don't see that they have enough guys to create their own shot and get that productive offensive output. Give me the under here at 31 and a half. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, sorry. I don't know if I said it before, but no, I'm definitely going under here. Uh, I don't I don't trust it enough. Markel Fultz as a point guard just gives me PTSD. Uh, Cole Anthony, I hope, takes that job very quickly. They have decent role players here. I mean, they were a team I picked as a playoff team for the last three years now, but I think there's so much more talent in the Eastern Conference this year that'll bump them out of the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think uh, it's gonna end up with Markel off the ball and Cole bringing the ball up. And see what what they're able to do with that. Houston, thirty four and a half. All right, so for Houston, this is my next. Uh, I want to say it, but you know what? No, I, I I would avoid this. This is a tough spot because of the Harden situation. I'd personally lean under because I think he's gonna get moved. 
And I know like the, the public money is all depending upon that. In fact, I know they yanked it from a lot of books that you couldn't even bet Houston for the past couple of weeks, especially when the Russell drama is going on. It's just something I wouldn't want to back whatsoever because there's so much up in the air. If they have Harden, they're still going to be in that situation like the Anthony Davis where, you know, he might not even play for a month at a time. It's going to be very bizarre. He's not going to want to get injured. He's going to be trying to improve his trade stock, get paid more. Uh, it's something I would completely avoid. Yeah, I'm going to go over and just just on a contingency of just buying into the fact that there is potential that James Harden can stick around. And if, the, if James Harden does stick around, this is the easiest over you can like money can buy. If there's a there's a potential case that we've talked about that Harden the Harden saga might not be moved until next offseason. If that's the case, then Harden will propel this team to way a lot of wins above 34. But like Mark said, if I'm a guy, this is just an like a non-applicable version. But if I had to lean one way, I'd go over. I just I don't see uh, I don't see this being like a, a viable option right now just because it's so up in the air. Um, I don't have an opinion on this one, honestly. I'm just going to leave that one alone because I just don't see it. How how anybody could, before this actually takes place, how anybody could have a, a legitimate, you know, idea. It's all contingent at this point. So, Pelicans thirty six and a half. All right, this one is very tough because they're it, it's higher than I would like. I wish it was down in that Grizzlies territory, but for obvious reasons, it's not. I get scared because Zion is so volatile to me. He's someone that's going to be injured throughout his career, in my opinion. I just don't I, – I watch what goes on with Joel Embiid, and it reminds me a lot of what's going to happen with Zion. He's unbelievable when he's on the court. But he's somebody that's going to be reduced minutes throughout his career, just like Embiid. And he's somebody that I think is going to have – whether there's significant injuries or not, he's going to be taking off games here and there throughout the season. And that worries me when the win total is this high. You're relying on Brandon Ingram to be a star, which I really think he's developing into. And Steven Adams is such a key addition. Overall, I think there's enough talent on this roster that the over could hit by a game or two. I'm relying on Zion to be on the court, and I'm going to take the over, but it's not something I would bet whatsoever. Zion's one of those players that's just so volatile that you bet on them when he's playing, but you don't take a season total. This is so tough, but I'd probably disagree and go with the under because, again, I just don't see him really being able to – I mean, they can defend the ball efficiently now, I guess, because I think they have – I mean, with Lonzo, Adams, and Zion potentially in the lineup, they'll be good at doing that. I just think the West is so loaded. And I think they just missed the boat by a game or two. I think the public's going to love betting the over on this. Just due to the fact that they think that a team with Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, there's no way to go anything than other than five above 500. I think this team fits like 36 and 36 and misses it by half a game. Yeah, I think that this this is close. I'm actually going to go in the over on this one, but I think it's going to be super close. To an extent that they might shift this like another another game, and at that point, I would probably take the under. I think that they're probably going to be a thirty-seven and thirty-five team, um, and I think a lot of it's going to have to have to do with Stephen Adams. People forget that he's only twenty-seven. You know, I mean, he's still a young guy, and he's been doing what he does for quite some time, and he is very instrumental in what he does. I think he's overpaid. Whatever that that is, what it is, but. Uh, I mean, we'll see if, if uh, Alexander Walker can can pick it up. We'll see if that 
if uh, if if Zion can stay on the feet on the court, if those things happen, maybe Jackson Hayes becomes a, a solid four to run with with Adams five, and then of course we know what uh, Ingram's able to do. So those things all take place. They're over. If they don't, then they're under, and I'm wrong. It's fine. Next up, we have Golden State, who is also at 36 and a half. All right, so we're getting into one of my favorite players, actually. I am big, big. I know the Clay Thompson injury hurts, but I'm still big on this over. I think the Warriors are going to come to play this year, and Steph Curry is going to be there with a vengeance. It's deflating to lose a guy like Clay, but in a way, doesn't it motivate a team even more? It's something in hockey and in basketball and really any sport. When you get a huge injury like that, but there's still talent around them, they play with a different heart, a different motivation. I think you still have really nice pieces here. Ubre was a great move that they made. I worry about the bench. I really do. I don't. I think it's one of the weakest benches they've had in years. But I hope if this team is in the playoff picture, they're going to make moves at the deadline, move some money around, see what James Wiseman can do. Maybe you even look at trading Draymond in some sort of a weird deal to get back a solid star. I think Golden State, no matter what, Steph Curry, if he stays on the floor, is going to be an MVP candidate this year and make them a clear playoff team, and I love the over. That's one of my starred picks. I like this over a lot as well, and I just like this over for the fact, like, I just like teams coming off an awful season like they had, which is unprecedented for the Warriors, that they have so, they have too much pride to be as bad as they were last year and to be an under 500 team. I think this team wins 42 games, 44 games, gets in the playoffs, and we'll see what happens from there. But I'm a big believer in Wiseman. I think he fits that lineup extremely well. I think Steph Curry reminds everyone of why he's a top five player, uh, arguably a top five player, if not top, easily a top 10 player in the NBA. And I just believe in the fact that Steve Kerr is an experienced enough coach, and I think they get over that hump of getting over 500 for sure i think everybody also forgot about eric pascal every every like every every analyst everything no one no one talks about him anymore forgets like what he did last year when everybody was out i think reduced point share of course is going to reduce his point share but you know they got him they have wiseman now they still have their two of their three core we'll see what what they're able to do with it you can't replace clay thompson but i think multiple people can start to contribute to what he's able to do on a different level. So, I mean, I, I like the over on that one. I think it's a little bit low. It's almost disrespectful because the other 36 and a half right here is the Atlanta Hawks at 36 and a half over under. Oh man. So like going into this, they're obviously, and they're everyone's number one team sleeper team going to get in the playoffs after the moves they made. Obviously, I have that starred as one of my favorite teams this year. I love the moves they made. It's really hard not to. But you're talking about such a high total for a group of guys that have never really played together. I'm so tempted because it's it's right there. They have all the pieces. I like Trey Young's development. Uh, Bogdanovich I was one of the number one guys I thought teams should target this offseason. Somehow the Hawks land him. Then they add guys like Gallinari is just a phenomenal addition. And so is Rondo. I just, it, it, they literally have every piece that I want to hit this over so badly. 
I think it's going to be right there. I would not touch it being that high, but I'm going to say the over for the sake of how much I like this roster. Okay, so this is one of my proverbial star picks. Give me the under here, without a doubt in my mind. And here's why. Every single year, in every single sport, there's a team that the public loves and falls in love with because on paper they had they won the off season. Therefore they're gonna win their like they're gonna win the season. They won the off season. Oh my god, they did so great in the off season. No. This happens every year, and when there's a proverbial team that's a sleeping that's a sleeping giant that everyone agrees is a dark horse, everyone agrees is a guy that's under the radar. They end up being overrated, and I think this is the case here. They have they have talent on their team, but it takes a while to gel all that talent together. In a year where it's going to be extremely sporadic due to the fact of just how naturally. With COVID and everything like that, with how weird off-season workouts are going to be, I just don't see this team cracking 500. I This is one of my favorite plays. I see them actually winning maybe like 33 games to 30 games. I really think they are going to not be able to, dev- to defend the ball extremely well. And I think this is a team that's going to be a very good Bilo candidate the next year. Yeah, I think I'm I'm going over with this, but I think it's gonna be close. So it's it's gonna be something that people are going to take, and it's probably gonna shift that that number up like a, a win or two. So if anybody's gonna take it, I would say take it now, just because it's gonna be higher. Um, I think that 37 to 39 is is safe for them. I really think they're gonna be about a six seed in the East right now. They're not gonna do anything in in, in the playoffs. But they are definitely going to uh, to figure it out. I think they have enough veteran leadership at this point to to be able to do that. So uh, I'm going over with them. Phoenix Suns, 38 and a half. I mean, how about that back-to-back right there? It's like two of the exact same situations, but you got one huge difference, and that's Chris Paul. You're talking about the star power on this Phoenix team matches up with just about any team we've talked about so far. They might be the most talented of all of them. I think you're talking about someone that already showed this in the bubble. They have done it before. Unlike the Hawks, you're relying on a team that hasn't shown they can play together. Everyone on this Suns team really already did it besides the additions of Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. I love everything they've done. I think this is a clear buy candidate. I'm going to hammer that over, and I think that's definitely a starred pick for me. I love Devin Booker's development. Could he sneak into an MVP conversation this year? Even it's possible, but there's just so many dominant stars in the league right now. I definitely like the Suns over and them being a playoff team. I almost like the bet even more them to make the playoffs as opposed to taking the over. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. I like the value of them making the playoffs more as well. Uh, I Give me the Phoenix Suns over here. I think they win like 42 games this year. They end up being a six seed, a, five, a seven seed in the Western Conference. I just don't see Chris Paul missing the playoffs with this roster. I see him and D-Book really gelling extremely well. And then Aiton has a great third piece there. I like a lot of things about this team. Maybe a little too much, but... Give me the Phoenix Suns, a team that's coming in with a lot of momentum for last year as well with how they closed out the bubble. Yeah, I'm not I to say it the opposite way from you, Mike. I don't see a roster missing the playoffs with Chris Paul just cuz he is uh probably top 5 point guard of all time. He hasn't done anything and I don't really know why 
in the playoffs. Like he's never been a finals guy. I've never really seen a guy who people consider to be a Mount Rushmore point guard kind of cave the way that he caved uh, in the playoffs with the Clippers against the Rockets. So, I mean, it's a weird move from him, but he's definitely going to elevate the Suns team to playoff contention. It's really going to, it's really going to make a difference. So we'll see what he's able to do. Indiana Pacers, 39 and a half. Uh, we're moving into coming up here. Are like all of my favorite picks are some of the playoff teams from last year. I think, the Pacers is arguably my favorite under on the entire board. I am not a fan at all of them bouncing back to the point they were last year. Do we really think, I know we got into this with the most underrated player uh, segment, but do we really think that TJ Warren is somebody that's going to continue to do what he did in the bubble? I don't necessarily think so. They have a decent starting lineup, but it's not a team that I think is going to be up there with the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference where the top teams really got a lot better and some of the bottom teams in the Eastern Conference improved a lot this offseason. I just think it's something that Nate McMillan, I don't really I, – I, I didn't trust him as their coach and their new coach is somebody that he, I just don't like. It's an aggressive style that he coaches and he's coming from the t- Toronto Raptors and what they did and banking on – that success, it's not somebody I think can lead this group of guys. I, I think they definitely take a step back under new coaching. Oladipo is someone who's been rumored a lot in trade talks, and any move that they make to get rid of him would just really make this team a lot worse. I don't think they should move on from him whatsoever. Under a new head coach, I think you definitely have to look at a win total coming down a little bit. I think a lot of guys – excelled on this team and over exceeded expectations last year i think they take a step back this year and hit the under wow so i'm in the complete opposite camp um this is one of my favorite plays give me the over here and here's why this team excelled so well last year with the fact that the Monta Sabonis, arguably their second best player on the whole roster missed a majority of the last season and i think this team it's just so complete. They have six guys that on a game-to-game basis can give you a 25-point game. I mean, between Oladipo, between Malcolm Brockton, between Sabonis, between Miles Turner, between TJ Warren. They have a lot of different scoring places. Also, I like the upside they have their bench. Aaron Holiday is a very fine bench piece. TJ McConnell, not sexy to watch, but... He fills the role as a backup point guard pretty well. Then you have Edmund Sumner, a guy that showed some scoring prowess in the NBA bubble. In the NBA bubble, I just think this team is a lot better than you than you're giving them credit, Mark. I think this team wins like 46 games this year. High total there. I think it's a close over. I don't think it's going to be 46. Um, I I love Sabonis too. I mean, I I agree with you on that front. I think that's probably why they're going to to be the over. It's gonna be close though. Um, Portland's forty one and a half. This is usually my team every single year. They're my favorite team typically in the Western Conference. But I just think, you know what? That bubble race down the stretch. I think we can all agree was so fun to watch for that eight seed. It showed you a lot what is to come in these coming years between the teams that are coming into play that sucked for so long and we're adding up those lottery picks, the Kings, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Suns, all those teams are here to play and they're going to make it a really tough time for this Blazers team. The question though is, 
can Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, like they have for years and years, just continue to outlast those teams? And I question when is the year where they give that up because they continue to lose more and more pieces around them. But Juice of Nurkic is coming back, and that's that's a key. It was key in the bubble. It's going to be key for a full season of basketball. Derek Jones Jr., he's from by me at home, and he's somebody that I like as a piece maybe to develop around Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. I think Carmelo Anthony is definitely not going to do what he did last year, take a step back. But Covington, another big addition, add some defense to that team. I'm going to slightly take the over. They're going to be in that battle for those seven, eight spots in the West. I'll take the over because I have the under on the Grizzlies. I think it makes a little bit of sense to take another over in the West, and I'll go with the Blazers. So this is actually another one of my favorite plays. Uh, Give me the over here. And I just love what they did this offseason. They retained almost everybody. Gary Trent Jr. has another year to, to, to develop as a good bench piece. The bring back Dame and CJ, we already know about all of them. They bring in defensive-minded players in Covington and Derrick Jones Jr. Uh, they brought back Ronnie Hood as a great scoring piece off the bench. Melo's going to provide that scoring off the bench. They brought in Inez Canner, another depth piece at center, which they needed last year because their depth behind Nurkic really isn't that well other than Zach Collins. And I think Canner fi- fills out that role. I mean, they had Whiteside last year. He replaces Whiteside. More of a lateral move, but I think they just retained everyone, and I like what this team can do. I think they win 45 games. I don't think it's a massive over. I don't think they win like 50 games. But I like this over a lot. I just have a lot of faith in Damian Lillard to to deliver the goods as one of the best point guards in the NBA and one of the best players and scorers in the NBA. Yeah, they're trapped in a really tough division, you know, with Denver and Utah. And, uh, I mean, you can make a case for Oklahoma City, but not really. But they're gonna have to play them a solid amount of times with the schedule, so that's that's gonna be a, it's always a hindrance when that's the case. But I always say it: Damian Lillard is the best scorer in the NBA when he's hot, bar none. He's not. That's not going anywhere. So I think that man, it's it, honestly forty-one and a half is kind of high, but uh, I, I still would take the over. But it's definitely not gonna be that close. I think they're gonna be they're gonna scrape that over, and it's it's not one that I would ever really touch though. Toronto Raptors are at 41 and a half also over under the Raptors are tough because it does. It almost seems like whoever else on their roster at this point doesn't even matter. They're just so well coached. And I, I Kyle Lowry is not letting up anytime soon. You have a lot of guys who were there for that championship run. Still, I think they're going to play well enough together that despite the talent in the Eastern conference, they should be able to get those wins. Uh, it's not something I would bet, but they did retain Fred Van Vliet. That was a big move. Aaron Baines, I gotta hate him and his man bun, but I guess I guess it'll fit. Uh, Siakam is only gonna improve as well as OG. I think the Raptors are slightly gonna hit that over. I don't think they're gonna do what they did last year, but I, I would still take the over rather than the under here. If ah oh man, this is tough. Oh man, I'd probably lean the over just because I trust their experience and I trust the fact that they have a winning culture there. I think that maintains and that shows up in spades for the Raptors. 
I think they win like 44 games, so 45 games. I think they finish right in that four or five, that three to five spot along with like Indiana Pacers and Washington Wizards. I'm going under on this one. I think I think they lost a lot. They lost Mark. I, I I think that's I think that Pascal really showed his stripes in the bubble, and by that I mean he sucked a fat dick uh, in crunch time basketball. So that's going to really resonate. Let's see if he can bounce back, or if we if we saw the ceiling for him, he's definitely not a number one guy. I think that was pretty proven last year. He's not a number one guy. They need to get someone else if they want to get to that pedestal again. He was perfect as a, as a supplement to Kawhi, but he's definitely not the guy of, on his own. So there's that. Uh, Utah is at 42 and a half over under. Oh, I, I, I've liked them for the last couple of years quite a bit, but I think that number is like – it's sort of like rising to the expectations that I've had them at every year. And now it's not a play I like as much, if that makes sense. Like they were, they were a team that I always liked to back, but now that number is just a little bit too high for me. I think, once again, they're going to be right there. I mean, this is Vegas. They every line is perfect for a reason. It's going to fall a game or two away in almost all of these situations. But I'll take the under here because of the talent in the Western Conference. They're such a good team, but also the Donovan Mitchell situation can add a little bit of locker room uh, drama. Same with the Rudy Gobert. I, I still am unsure there. I'll take the under, but I don't feel great about it. I'm in the same camp. I like it more. I feel more strongly about it, though. I go under. I think they win exactly like 38 to 40 games. And my estimation of that is the fact that I think the West is just so competitive for them. And they're a team that's playing a brand of basketball that just isn't ideal. They play a brand of basketball that just relies so heavily on their defense. And at times, when Mitchell's not putting the ball in the net, they don't really score that many points. And that kind of scares the hell out of me because during, I just don't think this team's a great regular season team. I think they're more built for postseason success. So I see them being a tough out as like a seven seed this year, and they win like 40 games. Yeah, they're pretty much like the same team than they were last year. So if that if that team did that thing then we're going to see it again. I mean, Bogdanovich is always going to get his. I mean, there's a lot that we can say about who they, you know, I've been pretty critical of their drafts, but they, they're exactly where they were last year. They don't have, they're not better. They're not worse. So I would say if they're, if they're sitting at 42 and a half, I'm, I'm taking the under as well. I think that if they do, if they do that, they're going to be a really tough team as a low seed in the playoffs. They might be an upset alert, but I don't think they're going to be very significantly better. Dallas Mavericks, forty-two and a half. Uh, they got my favorite player in the league right now. Maybe everyone's uh, Luka Doncic is just. I mean, he's the favorite to win MVP. How ridiculous is that to say? Uh, we just keep talking about it over and over again. That division is so damn good right now. That conference has gotten so much better. You're facing tough competition, and I question the depth on this team. They performed so well last year, but and you added Josh Richardson, but I just don't know. Porzingis could easily go down for a certain amount of games like he did last year, and they might drop three of ten games or some, some go through a stretch like that when he's injured. or Who knows? I just question the depth of that team in a situation where the Western Conference is this damn good. I love the Mavericks, and they're a team I'm going to hammer in the playoffs. But I don't think 
you're going to be talking about them as a top four team in the conference. I think you're more looking at where they fell last year, which is five to eight. So I'm going to take the under. I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to go over because I like the Josh Richardson trade a lot. And I just believe that great players like Luka Doncic always extend what they do in the regular season. If you notice, like, all the teams in the past couple years – when they, the best players always win to end up winning the most games because in the NBA and in regular season anyway, it's kind of like a one v one contest half the time, and I just think they have arguably the best player in the NBA or one of, oh not the best player in the NBA but one of the top five players in the NBA, and I just like what they did. I like their coaching. They're a competitive team. They could score in a lot of different ways. I like the over a lot here. Yeah, I like I like the over here for a couple of reasons. Number one, very similar to what you're saying. The Richardson trade was big, in my opinion. Uh, the other two things are their draft choices. You know, they got Tyler Bay out of Colorado, and they also got Tyrell Terry. These are guys who could definitely back up Luca. I think that Tyrell is going to fall right into the the Seth Curry role very quickly, and I and I think that was a very good pick up for them so they're they're going to be the same team if not better in a division that's weakened significantly so i i'm going over on that one i think 42 is a little low and i that would be one that if i'm i'm gonna mark that one off and actually take it philadelphia 76 years 44 and a half uh i'll start with this one also i'm not touching it for the same reason i'm not touching the rockets these two are in are about to be in some pretty significant talks in my opinion i don't think that we can make any determination on this based on that it's a i mean it's it's a safer take than the rockets it's less volatile than the rockets but it's still one that i'm i would stay away from just because that's going to move i'm it's the opposite situation as houston it's a bet that i will am certainly willing to make and i'm it's one of my starred picks not because i am a sixers fan do not get me wrong because i normally would not touch them but because of the Rockets situation, I wouldn't touch it because it's so volatile. If you can find this Sixers line somewhere around here, I say take the over because a move is going to be made, in my opinion. Even if it isn't Harden, they're going to make a deadline move. I really believe that. I don't think Tobias Harris fits this team at all right now. He proved that last year, which to me screams a deal is to be made. Who knows who it's going to be? But I think you bank on that and you take them now as opposed to after that trade is made. They're going to compete this year. And my number one reason is Doc Rivers. I know you can jump down my throat all you want for what he did towards the end of that run with the Clippers. But whatever it is, he's a better option than what Brett Brown was last year and the year before. I think Doc Rivers brings new energy to this team and new energy to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, which they needed desperately. You needed a new game plan for the two of them because it was not working. Doc Rivers, new energy, new team. I think they finally have shooting, and this overhits whether they make a move or not, but I'm banking on that move being made. So I think anyone with a brain cell is a better coach than Brett Brown and his awful fashion choice during the bubble. I mean, the guy needs to go to fuck back to Australia, in my estimation. Um, But anyway... Other than that, I think this is a very good over to take, and I just believe that because I think this team is ready to make that next step. I mean, they have two franchise cornerstones on their roster that are oozing with potential, oozing with the fact that they can take that quantum leap into one of the best players in the, in the NBA. 
And I there's also potential they can get the literally the best score of all ISO score of all time in NBA basketball history in James Harden with moving Ben Simmons or moving another array of different pieces sent around Tobias Harris. Who really knows? But I think this team has a lot of options and a lot of outs to get above 44 wins. I think they can easily reach 47-48. And this is one of my star picks. I think this is a generous line by Vegas and a line that people should take advantage and hammer the over here. See, it's not a, I don't think it's a safe pick at all. I would go over, but I wouldn't touch this, honestly, because it's really up to how, how Doc Rivers utilizes that talent. I mean, he's one of the best at doing it, but... You know, who knows? Again, it's volatile. So Miami Heater at 44 and a half. Uh, this is definitely an over for me. I, I was on them all of last year. As we know, predicted that NBA Finals. I was all over them in the bubble once the restart happened. I think this is talent that's only going to continue to develop. They're so damn young. And Jimmy Butler is coming into his own right now. Getting Goran Dragic back was arguably the biggest move they made. I was shocked by that. I did not see that happening. They really retained everything that they had in that championship run. And let's not forget, they weren't a top seed in the Eastern Conference. I think you're heading towards that area this season. I think they're going to be ahead of the Raptors. I think they're going to be well ahead of the Pacers. And probably ahead of the Sixers, although I have both of them going over the win total. Miami Heat is, are one of my favorite teams to back this year. I don't think it was a fluke whatsoever, and I'll, I'll definitely hammer the over. This is so tough for me. I'm going to go off the very beaten path here and take the under. And this is why. I take the under because I've talked about how I like the Pacers, how I like the Sixers over win totals. Someone's got to drop off a bit. Now, for a full season outlook, I like the Heat to make a lot of noise and even get back to NBA Finals for some reasons. But I'm going to take the under here because I think that they're going to have a little bit of a hangover earlier in the season for getting to the Finals, losing in a competitive six-game series. And I think that it's going to take some time to get over that. And I think they're going to have some growing pains. I mean, it, the guys they had are extremely young. I mean, Jimmy Butler and Dragic aren't young by any means. But Tower Hero is a kid. And Bam Adebayo is extremely young as well. They're going to have some guy, some growing pains. And there's going to be some regression that inevitably will happen. Duncan Robinson's not going to shoot like Clay Thompson for a full season like he did last year during the bubble and during the playoffs. I think this team's going to regress just a smidge of a little bit. I think this ends right on the number, if not like 43 wins. But I think this team is more of a of a playoff team than a regular season team. I'm, go- I'm going over on this one. I just, I mean, I think that they feel slighted from the finals and the bubble and all that stuff just losing and i think they're going to come back with a vengeance i see them as a three seed in in the east and of course the the numbers don't so i'm going over denver nuggets 44 and a half so i i mean they're one of my favorite teams every single season and considering my last two picks were the jazz and mavericks both being under in the western conference i i definitely like the over for the nuggets i just think this team is continuing to develop some stars they're always deep one of the deepest teams in the nba and i don't think any of that's changing none of these guys besides paul Millsap, maybe are exiting their prime they're all smack in it and jamal murray is just going to continue to develop from what we saw in the bubble all i think he needed is a little bit of confidence coming out of that bubble he i hope he's feeling himself a little bit and he starts shooting the way 
he did in the bubble. I really hope so. Michael Porter Jr. only going to continue to take steps. This is one of my favorite teams, and I think it, it's not insane to to maybe – I mean, I don't even know where you can bet this, but to take them as uh, maybe the one seed, maybe. I, I, I love the Lakers, but maybe even betting them as to finish two or higher. Like, this is a team that I think is far better than the Clippers this season. Far better. I like them way more, and the Nuggets are a team that I confidently would take the over on. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment as well. This team has so much – potential to out to even grow upon what they did last year i mean michael porter jr i mean he could become a very competent number three option on a championship team this year jamal murray showed that he was extremely he was making a case to be one of the best point guards in the nba last year we all know what nicole Jokic has and he's a dark horse candidate for mvp candidate as well in my estimation i think this team has a lot to like about them they've done well in the draft the last couple years losing jeremy grant hurts a little bit but i think that Losing Jeremy Grant paves ways for more minutes to guys that are younger and can show much more upside. I like this team to win about 48 to 50 games this year. And this is one of the star picks I'd have as one of my favorite plays for just to take the over at 44 and a half. I think 44 and a half is ridiculously low for them. I, I don't anticipate that staying. So if anybody's listening, you should probably take that uh, ASAP because people are going to be hitting the over button on that one a lot. Um, just for the sake of time, let's do let's do this the same way that we did for the for the for the Magic or sorry for the Grizzlies and the Bulls. Okay, both the Celtics and the Nets are at forty five and a half, which means that both of them are in contention for being the number two seed in the East. Celtics or Nets, forty five and a half. Who is more likely to be the two seed? Celtics by a mile. Yep. I 100% agree with it. I honestly, one of my favorite plays, I didn't realize we were going to do that, but one of my favorite plays is taking the under on the Nets. Under because the Nets, yeah, the Nets got to learn how to play with each other. I mean, Kyrie's missed all last year, like most of last year, basically. And Kevin Durant hasn't played basketball in a year and a half. I mean, this is going to be a huge learning curve for a team, especially with a limited offseason. I definitely like the over. I mean, I like the under extremely a lot for the Nets. I think they end up being like a four or five seed, honest to God. And this, and I know that's a little bit radical, but there's a lot more teams I like. I they can't even be a six seed for Christ's sake. But I think they're one of those teams that they're gonna figure it out by playoff time, and you'll see them in the Eastern Conference Finals as a six seed. But I like the Celtics as a two seed much more. Brings back a lot more chemistry. They have the pieces to be a two seed. I love their coaching. Jason Tatum, as much as like I like as much as I was so wrong about him coming out of the NBA out of the college ranks, he's a superstar and man, they're gonna be a very tough team to deal with. Yeah, I mean, oddly enough for me, I I, I agree with every single thing that you just said about the Nets and when I look at my Eastern Conference teams, I have the over on the Sixers, the Heat and the Raptors, the under on the Pacers. And for every team left in the Eastern Conference, the Nets, the Celtics, and the Bucks, I have the under on all three of them. I like the Celtics actually the most of the three, but I think you're talking about an Eastern Conference that is going to be insanely close from one to six this year. It will be a matter of games in almost every single seed. 
And I just don't think there's a clear front runner. The Nets are going to take a long time to gel. I, you're talking about dominating personalities and players that are going to miss time from here to there. I just, it's not an over I like whatsoever. The Celtics, I like a lot more. I'd be more likely to take the over, but they lost so much depth this year that it, it makes me question it a little bit. The Nets, for me, I think if there's probably going to be good odds on the over there. So I would probably end up taking that over just because if they do gel, that team's going to go off the, off the charts because they didn't necessarily lose too much. And from last year when they were a playoff team, I mean, they've lost pieces, but not necessarily the big ones. And now they have these two stars coming back. So the over there could potentially be very good. They're going to be very run and gun. Clippers are at 46 and a half. And so are the Lakers. But we're going to do this one one by one because this is the war of, of Los Angeles. Clippers first, over under on the Clippers at 46 and a half. For me, this is my number one starred pick, uh, I think maybe on this entire list. And that's an under. I just do not like anything about what this team did this offseason and losing Montrez Harrell with zero addition really to replace him. It, it I, I just don't think it works. It didn't work at the end last year. I mean, I know they added Serge Ibaka, but is it, it's just too much of a loss for me. This roster, I mean, they're talking about moving on from Lou Williams at some point. That was a name that floated out there a lot this offseason. They don't hang on to him. You might be able to compete for around the same win total as last year. But, dude, the Western Conference is just so deep. And I like nothing about what Paul George did in the bubble. He's going to bounce back. He definitely will. But it's not a team that stands with the Lakers. For them to have the same win total is crazy to me. The Lakers are a far superior team. And I think the Clippers are going to take a big step back this year. I got the... Nuggets finishing well ahead of them. Clippers under is probably my play of the entire slate. Yeah, I'm feel I'm in the same kind of feeling for them, not as strongly, but I take the under as well. I think this team's just reserved as a postseason team, and they're going to be like a four seed in the e- in the Western Conference, and they're just going to plod along and just save themselves up and gear up for a playoff run. I like the I like their under just a little bit. I think they win 45 games exactly. And I think they just miss out on on heading their total. I think they're going to be a dangerous team come again playoff time. I mean, they do have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And we'll see if playoff P can add a P to the front of that layoff, in front of that layoff name and call himself playoff P again. And this team is going to just keep their minds ahead for the postseason. The the Clippers, I, I'm honestly going to go with the over here. They're a good regular season team, bad playoff team. They are in the best division in basketball now. It's kind of cemented because the Phoenix Suns are better, and I think the Kings are going to be better. So it's going to be a really good division, really tough to get those wins. But I, I think that they'll gel a little bit better than they did last year, and we'll see, you know, if that if that is true or not. And they they lost Doc, so we'll see if that affects them. But with you know with the additions that they got in in, in the uh, off season, which weren't as good as people would like to say, I, I don't think they were that good either. I still think they're the over on this. I don't think they're going to do too much with it, but that's the case there. Lakers, on the other hand. I'm going to start with that one. 
I'm hitting that over button so fast, and it's just because they were already so good, and now they added Dennis Schroeder. They're, it seems like they're going to use him off the bench, and imagine just being able to have LeBron come off, off the court and having Dennis Schroeder now coming in and, and doing what he does best and just scoring in bunches. It's really impressive. They got Marcus Saul at the at the five, so now they can even bang with the big bodies down low. They have really cemented themselves as the best team in the league. I think forty six and a half is very low for them. I think that they should be more in contention of the forty nine and a half number that we're going to see from the top team. But we'll see what happens there. That top team is, of course, a very good regular season team. The Lakers tend to, for some reason, have like little divots where they 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 lose a couple here and there that they should have won, but um, I think that's going to be the case. They're also in the West, which takes a, which automatically takes a win away. But forty six and a half, easy over for me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think uh, the reason this number's so low is it, a lot of it is COVID. I think that Vegas doesn't see anybody really having that dominant of a record because. Clearly, there's going to be players testing positive at times. And, you know, a team like the Lakers, that is such an obvious over here. If they're going to have a player go down here or there where it might it might cause uh, a sort of an issue with this win total. Also, a reason why yeah, I, all betters out there, I'd be very, very careful taking any over-unders after we do this entire segment just because of all of the COVID situation. But uh the Lakers are still a clear over for me. I think this team got so much better. It's ridiculous. And I think as good as the Western Conference is, they're still going to beat up on a lot of these teams this year. Uh, they're going to go through their patches like they do where, you know, they don't look as dominant as we expect. But just the additions they made were just so ridiculously well put together. And you know how much I hated their bench last season. But – it, it, it's the exact opposite this year. I love it. I love everything they did. I love their role play. Yeah, I'm going over on here. I think they just made themselves a lot better. And I think they have one of their signature LeBron James-esque seasons where they just look absolutely dominating throughout the regular season. I think they just quell any like comparisons of why they aren't the best team in the West or why they can't repeat. Or I think also it's going to piss them off too. is the fact of the murmurs of saying, Oh, well your ring last year isn't legitimate because it was in a bubble. It was in Disneyland. It's the Mickey mouse clubhouse championship ring. And I think they just quell all those rumors and put their foot down. Be like, no, it was not. Here's why we're the best team and go on an absolute dynamic run. And I think they have the best record in all of basketball. I would make that. I would make that comparison. I would say that they. That's a good bet for them to have the best record. Uh, the team that is the best odds to have the best record and the bet the highest over under here at forty nine and a half is the Milwaukee Bucks, who uh, reinforced their their lineup with Drew Holiday this off season. They're you know top top level point guard. I I like forty nine and a half. I like the over because they're a good regular season team. It's not going to mean anything for the playoffs, unfortunately. But I think they do what they've been doing, and they win a lot in the regular season because they're playing in the East and probably uh, probably one of the worst divisions. The only competition they have in that division is Indiana, and everybody else is, is a little bit of bottom dwellers So in Detroit and Cleveland, of course. And, and so I think that they'll, they'll fit in Chicago. Jesus. Anyway, so they'll, they'll figure that out. Um, they'll figure that division out pretty quick, and I think they they get uh, they get about fifty to fifty one. Uh, it's gonna be close, but I think forty nine and a half is a good over to take. 
this is a, a stay away from me just because of what I just said that I think it's it's going to be a tough season for a team to completely dominate. But I, I would easily hammer this under if it wasn't for the addition of Drew Holiday. I like him so much. Such a good fit. Such a great last-ditch effort to try and get Giannis to stay in Milwaukee, even though there's no way it'll happen. But I, I, I think they're tempting because that division is just god-awful. But I, I just can't go away from the fact that this is going to be such a bizarre, unprecedented season that I don't want to take any massive win totals. I The only thing I would do is take un, unders that you really like at the top. And this win total is so damn high. But it, it, it's definitely tempting. And it, they're deserving of the highest Vegas win total because of how bad that division is. I'll, I'll slight with the under because of the way this season's going to go, but I don't love the pick either way. I'd, I'd kind of stay away from it, from it here. I personally am going to go over because the last two Eastern Conference teams that I've went with, I've taken the under with. I think they just go over. Again, a big part of this year's continuity and chemistry. They retain all their main core pieces with the addition of Drew Holiday. They've lost some depth guys with George, with George Hill and DiVincenzo, but overall, I like what they have. And I think that Giannis and Chris Middleton, again, great regular season players. I think they propel themselves again to a 52-win team, beat up on their conference, beat up on the lower depth part of the East. And I think they're going to show a pretty solid showing, and I think they end up being the one seed yet again. Yeah, it's an easy one seed. I just don't see them being doing anything in the playoffs, unfortunately. Uh, they're not going to – I mean, there's so, there's so much talent in, in the East, at the top of the East, that it's going to be hard for them. They might be able to get to the conference finals again, but uh, I don't think I don't. They don't have any dogs on that team to get them to the finals, and Giannis is included in that conversation at this point. Uh, I don't know why more people aren't talking about that. But so those are the over unders, and uh, we got through them. That's awesome. I think uh, I think it's probably about time to call it a night, you guys. Is there anything to report on other one of your sides? Nothing at all in my end of the spectrum. Just like subscribe and. Give the show some love. Ask me any questions at Mike Renzulli2 on Twitter. Feel free to ask me any questions. And stay tuned on my account as well. Always giving out great college basketball picks too. So if you're a college hoops fan, be in tune for that as well. Awesome, man. Same here. I would just say uh, my podcast, we're taking a little bit of a hiatus during the school year. We'll probably be back at it. Possibly an episode over winter break. I don't want to guarantee it, but... uh, over the summer, we'll definitely bounce back. And then uh, just follow me on Twitter, and I'm going to send out uh, all of my starred picks from this episode. Uh, I would suggest hammer them, but hammer them carefully because in this COVID basketball season, it scares me. I would I would just uh, bet on a nightly basis based on what's going on rather than taking season totals. Exactly. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll put all of the, the over-unders on the Instagram so once that once we get those all together, we'll get those all up, and so you can see we're going to be answering questions next week. We're also going to be talking about this NBA uh, 100. So so Mark, I actually want to have you back on next week so we can talk about that bullshit. It is absolutely uh, train wreck, atrocious, and I, I can't wait to dig into ESPN because they are just sellouts, and it's like it's not even like they're not even hiding it anymore. So. We're gonna go into that. Hopefully, we have some more answers to this hardened shit, and uh, that's that's that. So, if you're not ugly, stay beautiful. We'll see you all next week. 